And my name is Chris Padgett. I have the incredible honor of getting to be the global director here at Antioch Austin. I get to oversee all of our different field staff that are serving all around the globe. We have John Stevenson here today. We have the Hardings here today. We have other different field staff that kind of come in and go out. And it's one of the greatest joys of what I get to do is come alongside and partner my friends that are trying to see Jesus magnified all over the globe. And it's just, it, I'm living my dream. I mean, this isn't a job. This is a joy of what I get to do. More importantly than that, I get to be the husband to one of the most, to the most amazing woman in this world, <laughs> the most amazing woman in this world, Amy Green. And I get to be father to three incredible children, twin boys that are about to head off to their sophomore year at Texas A&M Gigum. I know, I just said that, hard to believe, that's on tape. And my daughter, who's about to be a senior in high school. And so very excited to see those guys grow. And it's just an honor to get to love my wife and to get to be a father to my three most amazing kids. So as we dive in today, I just, there's one thing that God has gifted me. And I believe he's gifted me with an optimistic mentality. And that whatever situation or opportunity that's in front of me, I generally think to myself, sure, I can do that. How hard can that really be? I, you know, and then sometimes I kind of go a little bit further on down the road and I think, that's probably a little too easy. I'm sure I can do more than that. I mean, this is like, sometimes it's a disease. Before I even started dating Amy, I was praying for triplets. I thought about parenthood, and I'm like, how hard can parenthood be? Lord, would you give me triplets? I Seriously, like I really did pray for triplets. That's how crazy I think sometimes. And then God blessed us with twins, and reality hit home day one during the ultrasound. And I had to sit down because I turned to go swipe. But that's a different story for a, a different day. So with that optimistic mentality, I don't know how many, of the, uh, how many guys in this room today can relate to that. Sure, I can do that. That's going to be super easy. There's other people in this room that probably just roll their eyes and think, fool. And I am who I am. I'm always going to be who I am. And I keep hoping I'm going to learn my lesson and wake up and think one day, oh, you know, Yesterday's events were challenging. Maybe I shouldn't think and dream about that again, but I do wake up each day and think, I can go for it. And with this mentality, unfortunately, it's put me into a couple of few very uncomfortable situations in my life. Back when I was in high school, I took Spanish too with Miss Heron. And in my mind, I was almost fluent. <laughs> right? I was almost fluent. So for our spring break trip to Mission, our spring break trip down to Monterey, Mexico with our youth group, we were going to work with a local church and do a lot of evangelism through drama presentations, evangelism, serving, whatever. And so I was super excited to use my vast knowledge of Spanish to go converse with everybody that I got to see. Before our trek down there, our youth group leader asked if anyone wanted to share their testimony at some point during the week. Since we were going to partner with the local church, there was going to be loads of translators for us. 
And since I had recently chosen to follow Jesus, I was probably chomping at the bit a little bit more than I should have. Obviously, I quickly volunteered because I had ADHD, optimistic mentality. I was just all out all the time. I was then told that I was going to get to share my testimony at the service on a Sunday morning in front of the entire church. So what did I do? I went in my room and I decided to handwrite out my entire testimony. And I filled up one page of paper, double-spaced. Right? I didn't have a whole lot. I mean, I was a 15-year-old that was raised in church. So I thought, my testimony's amazing. And then as I wrote it out, I'm like, I haven't lived a whole lot of life. But I'm going to share it anyway. After I had written it out, that optimistic mentality kicked in. And I thought, this won't be that hard to share. How about I take it one step further and have Miss Heron translate it into Spanish for me so that I don't need a translator because I can do this all by myself. Exactly. <clears throat> so the following day, I walked up to Miss Heron after class. I explained the opportunity I had in front of me, and I said, would you be willing to translate this for me? And Miss Heron said, of course, Chris. So then I pulled out of my pocket this folded up wrinkly piece of paper, and I handed it over to her. And she's like, okay, I'll have this for you in a couple of days. A couple days later, she handed it back to me on a much nicer piece of paper, and I looked at it, and my testimony was written all out in Spanish, and I just thought, I'm going to crush this. <laughs> a few weeks later, we then headed down across the border for our trip, and this was my first ever short-term missions trip. That Sunday, we headed over to the local church for their morning service, and as we walked in, I saw all the men sitting over on this side in the open-air building, and I saw all the women sitting over on this side. And I'm not fully sure when during that service reality finally hit me and the panic of what I committed to started to sink in. But by the time worship was over and I was invited to get up and share this life-changing, powerful testimony, I was mortified, I was terrified, I was whatever you can think of, put all of that together, and that was probably just the beginning of how I was feeling. Another point to note that, I, that many of y'all don't know about, but I was what some people call a late bloomer. So if you don't know what a late bloomer is, it's when that puberty thing and that voice-changing thing for men comes knocking on your door. Well, that kind of hit me later in life. And when I say later in life, like my fresh, a couple years ago, no, my freshman year, thank you, peanut gallery in the front. When my freshman year of high school, I was four foot 11, 79 pounds. I'm serious, like, I am not exaggerating this story whatsoever. I was 4'11", 79 pounds, my freshman year of high school. So at this point, I was maybe 5'5", a buck 10 if I was soaking wet. But I vaguely remember standing up there with my testimony on the podium right in front of me, not daring to lift my eyes to see the 100-plus folks sitting out there. And so as I stood up there, probably something like this a little bit, Gripping the podium, sweat running down my head, I started giving my testimony. Me amo Cristobal. <laughs> Yo soy estudiante in Austin, Tejas. And then a lot more Spanish. I don't know exactly what I said after that. I just remember at one point as I was finishing a sentence, some lady over on this side of the, the auditorium, she yelled something out. And as I'm sharing, I look up and went, what? 
And then she repeated it, and she said, Gloria Dios, praise God. And lowered my head, and I finished my testimony even more mortified. And that, if I were to do theophostic ministry, was probably the moment that scarred me for public speaking for decades. <laughs> Thankfully, I've gotten past that, and now Peanut Gallery can yell at me, and I'm not mortified. But little did I know that that right there was one of the first of what have been countless opportunities that I put myself in an uncomfortable situation in order to see Jesus magnified. Sometimes it happens by accident. Sometimes I do it on purpose. And almost every time, at some point, I think to myself, why in the world? What am I doing? Even today, I was like, why am I doing this? And it always goes back to, because Jesus is worth it, right? Revelations 5, 9, and 10. If you have your Bibles, you can go there. Get ready to go to Acts 13 and 14 in a minute. Revelations 5, 9, and 10 says, You are worthy to take this scroll and open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. I have committed my life to our saying that all may know. That all may know. In the last couple of years, there's been this expression that's taken on a lot of traction, and I know it's awoken a lot of people. YOLO. You only live once. And if I could humbly submit to you guys today, I kind of believe that mentality is a lie from the devil. I really do. I really do believe that. According to scripture, I believe that we should be saying yolt. You only live twice. <laughs> That's what scripture says, Right? I really do believe that you live once in this body for a very short amount of time. Yolt. I almost made a shirt and wore it today, but I decided against that. Y'all have been confused for the first five or so minutes. But I really do believe that we only live in this body once for a very, very, very short amount of time. And then we get to live in our heavenly body forever and ever and ever and ever. I firmly believe that this right now is the only time in all of eternity that we get to do something for God. We get to go out and share his good news. We get to go invite people to the eternal party that's in front of us. Because after we pass away and after we move on into our heavenly body, then we get to be with him. And for all of eternity, we get to be we get to worship and adore him. But for now, we get to work for him. So it's okay to have a YOLO mentality. I believe it's just how we say YOLO. Right? We could say it, YOLO, carpe diem, let's go party. Or we could say, YOLO, this is the only opportunity I have. And so I really do believe that you can say YOLO, you only live once, but it's how you say it. And if you add this to the back end, you only live once in order to proclaim his name to those who do not yet believe. I'm not going to get on a soapbox too much today, but that was one of my tiny little soapboxes that my daughter's like, Dad, 
But I really do believe that we are a people that believe in the lordship of Jesus Christ. It's not just a, hey, let's go to church on Sunday and say that we're Christians so that we can get to go to heaven at the end of our life. That's calling Jesus as our Savior. But believing in him as Lord is saying, how can I serve and obey you today? In this present situation, in my class, at my job, with my neighbors, how can I serve you today so that you will receive glory from my life? And I really do believe that that was one of the Apostle Paul's daily prayers that he prayed. Each day he submitted himself to the Lordship of Jesus with the purpose of advancing his kingdom as much as he could. So much more than me, I really do believe he put himself in uncomfortable positions in order to see Jesus magnified. As we've been working our way through the book of Acts and the Church in the Wild series, we were introduced to this guy, the Apostle Paul, a few chapters back. This was a story of a man. He was hell-bent on destroying the church and all that chose to follow the way of Jesus. But through a radical conversion, daily discipleship, and then complete surrender, he became one of the most influential men of all time. Today we're going to continue on with a story through Acts 13 and 14 today. And so we're going to start here at Antioch. And they, these guys traveled all through Cyprus and then modern day Turkey. And they spent 18 to 24 months going through this trek. And there was so much that happened that I'm not going to be able to sum it all up. But the basic gist, Antioch, we've been talking about, it was a haven for all of the Christians that were fleeing persecution. That's where they gathered together was in the city of Antioch. And as Clark mentioned a couple of weeks ago, it was also the launching pad for the believers to where the gospel was spread to the ends of the earth. There is way, way too much in Acts 13 and 14 for me to cover all of it. So I'm just going to sum it up. And we're going to read through it really, really quickly. And before we dive in, there's one thing I just need to let all of you introverts out there like me, right? I'm an introvert. I really appreciate it when somebody's going to force me to interact with somebody else. Like I want to interact with people when I want to interact with them. But when somebody tells me I need to interact with other people, I like a little heads up. So for all of you introverts out there, this is going to be a little bit of an interactive message today. In a few minutes, we're going to gather together in groups of two or three and kind of share some different things that we're learning. So I just wanted to give you a heads up, probably because I appreciate heads up. So we're going to dive in to Acts 13 and 14 today. So if you have your phone, scroll with me because there's too much. The past few weeks, we've been standing up as we read the word of God. We're not going to do that today because I'm covering way too much in a short amount of time. But if you have your phones, go to Acts 13 and get ready to uh, go through this story in five minutes. 18 to 24 months we're going to cover in five minutes. All righty. Verse 2. One day the leaders in the church were worshiping and fasting. They heard the Lord say, Set apart for me, Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas, for the work to which I have called them. The leaders prayed some more, then they laid hands on that crew and sent them off. John was their helper. Verse 4, this short-term team traveled through the whole island of Cyprus, sharing the good news far and wide. An interested person heard about them and wanted to learn more, but demonic forces, a sorcerer, flared up and tried to derail the entire situation. 
Paul, verse 9, Paul, full of the Holy Spirit, declared, you are a son of the devil, blah, blah, blah. You're going to be blind and not see the sun for a time. Immediately, midst and darkness came over him. Verse 12, because of that miracle, that initial interested dude started believing in Jesus. We don't know what happened after that because Paul and his crew, they bounced from there and headed off in a different location. Verse 13, they traveled more and they preached more. Next stop, they landed in a synagogue, verse 15, and they were invited to share a message of encouragement. Then from verse 16 through 37, they laid an amazing backstory, a clear foundation of God at work, and then verse 38, the gospel presentation. Verse 42, as they were leaving, they were invited to speak again the next week. Then they strengthened the believers to continue in the grace of God. Seven days later, we don't know what happened during those seven days, but it must have been something amazing. Verse 42, almost the entire city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Back in those days, the city they were in, Poseidon Antioch, was about 100,000 people. 100,000 people and almost the entire city came back the following week to hear what these guys had to share. Jealousy from the religious leaders ensued. Paul and Barnabas' response, verse 46, since you reject this message and do not consider yourself worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. When that crowd heard about their opportunity to hear this good news, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord. All who were appointed for eternal life believed. Verse 49, the word of the Lord continued to spread through the entire mission, as did more persecution. There was so much fertile ground there, but eventually they were expelled, yet they were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit intermission. Okay. Chapter 14. And when things got really hard and challenges were all around them, Paul and Barnabas, did they change their strategy? As all the workers out there would be six months in, should I change my strategy? Six months in, should I change this strategy? Should I tie this? All the field staff workers are laughing at me because we all know what that means right there. But no, chapter 14, verse 1. As usual, these guys went back to another synagogue in Iconium. They spoke so effectively, a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. Even more persecution came. But then verse 3, Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. Here's a free gift for you. If you ever want to know how to pray for our long-term field staff or our short-term teams that are going out, pray that verse right there, that they would speak boldly for the Lord, that he would confirm his message of grace by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. Not so they can write an amazing newsletter and send it back home and get more support, no, we're asking for that to see Jesus magnified and glorified around the earth. There's a great verse for you to pray. Back to the story. Verse 4, the 80,000 or so folks in Iconium were deeply divided. All of a sudden, there was a plot afoot to stone them, but some little birdie told them about it, and they fled the surrounding country where they continued to preach the good news. Here's a fun three-verse story. Verse 8. A man, crippled with feet, a man with crippled feet, lame from birth, who had never walked in his life, was sitting there listening to Paul speak. Paul saw that he had faith to be healed and called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the dude jumped up and began to walk. Wouldn't that be an amazing story to see live? Oh, there was a guy I was praying for that didn't have a leg, and I prayed for him for years my laminate guy, and I was like, Lord, let his leg grow out, because that would be a story that would, a whole city would come to believe in the power of Jesus if that happened. 
How did the city respond after this dude got up and decided to walk around? Verse 12, Zeus, Hermes, the gods are here. It says, even the priest brought bulls and wreaths to offer sacrifices to them. The people saw this incredible miracle through their own lens, their own culture, and their own experience. The apostles passionately, verse 14, the apostles passionately tore their clothes, then tried to explain how this had happened in the ways of God, but they still had great difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Verse 19, some of their non-friendly groupies won the crowd over and finally had their way. Paul was stoned and drug out the city, presumably dead. And I'm wondering, where was Barney in all of this? But thankfully, some of the disciples came, gathered up their buddy, and helped him back into their city. Then they lodged again to a different city, probably with a little more hobble in their step. Verse 21, they ended up in Derby. Again, they preached the good news and won a large number of converts. But guess what? There was actually no persecution recorded in that half verse. But these guys talk about glutton for punishment. Before the verse is even over, they decided to return through all of the hotbeds of chaos. Why? Verse 22, in order to strengthen all the disciples and encourage them to remain true to the faith. They probably had a little bit more authority in what they were speaking on their second go-round with the disciples as they declared, we must go through many, through many hardships in order to enter the kingdom of God. Along the way, they appointed elders, and with prayer and fasting, they committed to the, them to the Lord. More cities, more preaching. Verse 26, they returned back to Antioch after finishing the task that they were committed to. Then they gathered the church together to report back all that God had done through them, as well as the door being opened for the Gentiles. Verse 28, then they put their passports away for a little while. Before I dive into the next little section of my message, I want to pause for two minutes right here and allow you to answer this question with one or two or three people right around you. Introverts, I let, I let you know ahead of time. But what I want you to think about and share with two to three people right around you is what was one thing that you just heard from Paul and Barnabas's journey that strengthened or encouraged your faith? Share that in groups around you for about two minutes. All righty. Thank you for sharing with one another. Trying to gather people together after... Releasing them to start talking is always a little bit of a challenge, and my wife prepared me for that, but I was, this is my transition line to get y'all back focused on me again. Way to go, me. So what does all that happened in Acts 13 and 14 have to do with us today? Right? We as a church have made a commitment decades ago to obey the Word of God and do whatever it tells us to, to do. It's pretty simple. If the Bible says do it, then we need to obey it. One of those commandments that the Bible mentions is what's referred to as the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Over the years... In obedience, we have sent out countless missionary journeys 
Some of them for a short amount of time and others for years. And just like in Acts 14, 26, I just read it a few moments ago, we always want to report back what God has done through those trips so that the church can be strengthened and encouraged to stay true to the faith. Praise God there wasn't any persecution this last summer like there was in the book of Acts, but we were ready. We're always ready for those things. We have y'all fill out forms. <clears throat> Just as I told you guys a number of short stories that happened nearly 2,000 years ago, I also want to tell y'all a few short stories of what happened over the last two months. The stories from 2,000 years ago came about from the obedience of Paul and Barnabas and John. And these more recent stories came about from the obedience of over 50 people here at Antioch Austin. And you guys supported them by praying for them, by encouraging them, by financially supporting them. You guys are deeply invested and are a part of all of these stories that happened over the last couple of months. And I want to share them with you to strengthen and encourage your faith to remind you to stay true to the Lord. Over this summer, we sent out six trips in various directions around the globe. We had two trips specifically focused on prayer and intercession, one to Colombia and one to Uganda. We then had a college and young adult crew that went over to Paris. Our discipleship school sent a contingent to London. We had a family trip that headed back down to Colombia after the initial prayer trip. And then a few of us went over to Indonesia for one of the conferences to support our long-term workers. Each one of those crews came alongside and supported the long-term workers, missionaries, but we don't say that word, in, the, in those cities that they're serving in. But I just did. So here are some of their stories, and these are only a few of what have happened. And for me, one of the most important things isn't what exactly happened in the moment, but it's the fruit that came forth from it. I personally just love to share those since-then moments. You watch Undercover Boss, you see what happens, and then you see that at the end, since then, this, 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 and happened. That's probably one of my favorite parts of that show right there. For our ADS crew that went to London, their purpose was to encourage countless people in conversations and to try to share the good news of Jesus far and wide. We just heard those words back in the book of Acts. On the very first night of sewing, Josh and some other folks from his team were talking with a dude in a cafe. In the midst of their time together, Josh noticed that this guy had a tattoo of a scripture on his forearm. He then used that, ta that tattoo to segue into a spiritual conversation. This guy used to follow Jesus, but he hasn't been active in his faith in many years. He really didn't know any other Christians, and he was so hungry for community. Throughout the week, our team was able to encourage this young man in a spiritual journey and then get him plugged into the local community of believers there. Since that trip, this guy has continued to, walk in his, to, continue to grow in his walk with Jesus and is actively sharing his faith with those around him. And there were multiple stories like this of that broad showing, the, the broad sharing there of the good news in London. At the end of that trip, one of the girls on the team, Grace, said, if I can share this good news in a different culture, in a different society as easily as I did, why can't I do this at here at my own home culture? Since then, she said she has broken free from her fear of man, has been actively praying for and sharing a lot more with her coworkers. Now she is known as the Christian woman among her colleagues. There have been multiple instances in the last month or so 
that folks around her have come up and asked her to pray for them in some very challenging situations that they're going through. She brought it home with her, as did many of our folks that went on these trips. For a college young adult trip to Paris, the family that's sitting right in front, that's been serving there for the, five, the past five plus years, told me, not just this morning, but a few weeks ago, but if you want to verify it, you can go talk to them right after the service. <clears throat> but they told me that our team's presence there has not only helped the long-term team expand their vision and reach across the city, but all of their local believers have seen a greater picture of what God is doing around the globe. Throughout the week, our crew was able to pray for and prophesy over their local context. One specific story, one of the young women on the team, a little shy and timid, partnered up with one of the ladies who's been living over there for a while. Like they did every day, they went out to various parts of the city trying to engage other folks in spiritual conversations. At one point, they started having a conversation with a firefighter. At first, he was really kind of hard, not really wanting to engage in conversation. But as they continued to converse with him and pray for him under their breath, he started to open up a little bit, and he started becoming a lot more interested. Since then, this firefighter has met weekly with one of the guys on the long-term team and is engaging in a discovery Bible study. Barry and Susie Brooks took a prayer trip over to Uganda to support the Lees, who have been serving over there for 10-plus years. Over the years, Roger and Colleen have built up a number of national partners, and they've established a great team the Brooks were able to spend their week not only praying for and encouraging each one of the local team members, but they were also able to give vision for and build momentum towards team meetings, team prayer meetings. Since they've gotten back, the local team over there has established these regular rhythms of prayer, both in their personal lives as well as in their team, all because the Brooks headed over to the other side of the world and prayed. That's it. They just went and prayed. And then for Columbia, before our large family trip arrived over there, Chip and Kathy Hilly spent a few days down there preparing the way in intercession. They saturated the nine square blocks that the team was going to focus on in prayer, asking the Lord to prepare hearts for the coming gospel blitz. The long-term team family, or the long-term family serving down there was so encouraged to have other people come alongside them in prayer and in their vision for the city that they've been carrying by themselves. Not only did the Hillies prepare the way for the larger team, which I'm about to share, but they were also able to offer freedom prayer and help break off some of the bonds that the long-term family had been struggling with for many years. They felt a lot of freedom because the Hillies went down there and just prayed with them. And then a month later, 30 folks, 30 plus folks from, our, from Austin in this room arrived in the same city, and they spent nearly a week there sharing the gospel and supporting the long-term team's vision to establish a church in that nine-square-block area, as well as in a local village nearby. So many testimonies of what happened during that time, but I'm only going to share a couple. At one of the village outreaches, the team did some gospel dramas. They shared testimonies and presented the good news of Jesus. At the end of their time, so many hands raised, both from parents and children, who wanted to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. One mom specifically who's been battling so much fear as she navigates her child's severe heart defect. Her child might not live past the age of five. 
She's been battling so much fear, she learned about the peace of Christ that passes all understanding. She chose to follow Jesus on the spot and is now studying the Bible every Saturday morning with several other moms, and she's praying for complete healing over her child. Throughout the week, there were countless conversations about Jesus. In so many settings, our team would ask the locals, is there anything going on in your life that we can pray for you about? Simple question. We can ask that everywhere we go. Is there anything going on in your life we can pray, pray for you about? One lady heard that, and she just started weeping. And through her tears, she said, I needed this today to give me hope. My son is an addict, and I read the word daily, hoping for Jesus to meet with him. Since then, she is regularly studying the word with our long-term team, growing so much deeper in her relationship with the, with the Lord. Almost every person the team interacted with was open and willing to talk about their spiritual life. As I heard, so many people wanted to accept this free gift. At one point, Krishna prophesied over a taxi driver as they were driving across town. Krishna asked the Lord in that moment for an encouraging word that the driver needed to hear. The driver had only been going to church maybe two times a year, but in that moment, the driver knew that the Lord saw him and that the Lord cared about him. Immediately, he committed to giving his life more for the Lord and getting more involved in his local church body, all because Krishna took a moment and listened to the Lord and obeyed. And then in a different taxi encounter, Natalie and company struck up a spiritual conversation with their driver, all in broken Spanish. Between Natalie's Spanish and Google Translate, they were able to share Krishna's three-minute testimony and then pray for the driver. For the rest of their drive, he was trying to communicate something, but again, through broken Spanish, they, the language barrier was preventing this full-on conversation. Upon their arrival to the destination, this driver became so desperate for a translator. Once one arrived, he said to Natalie, I've seen you before in my dream. Driver saying this to Natalie, I've seen you before in my dream said, someone close to you has cancer, and I believe that God wants to give you a gift. And just the week before they headed down there, Natalie found out that her sister had stage three cancer. About a holy moment. Since she's gotten back, Natalie's had a chance to share the same hope with her sister and encourage her. And we are still praying for that healing and that breakthrough in her sister's life. Two more quick stories. And Abby, even she said she used to be hesitant to share her faith, probably because like so many of us, she wondered what people would think about her. But after seeing the hunger and desperation of all the folks in Columbia, that fear of man broke off, broke off of her. Since she's come back, she has no longer been ashamed of the gospel. She said that, Romans 1.16. She's freely sharing the good news with those she works with who are responding and they are desiring to know more about Jesus, and they in turn are sharing with other people that they know. I reached out to one of the, the, each one of these long-term teams a couple weeks ago to ask how these trips blessed and encouraged them. They all resoundingly responded with, words cannot say how much we were strengthened and encouraged by this group, Acts 14, 22, right there. Many seeds were planted, and lives were impacted in an incredible way and continue to impact people since your groups left. Acts 13 and 14, some short stories. 
Antioch Austin stories over the last two months. Can you see a lot of the similarities right there? We're going to pause here for just a minute. And again, with the people right around you, I have another similar question. What was one thing that you just heard from our summer impact trips that encouraged or strengthened your faith? Take a minute. What's something that you heard that strengthened or encouraged your faith from these past trips? Alrighty, I hope that some of these stories were strengthening and encouraging to your faith. As I mentioned earlier, Jesus is worth stepping out in obedience for. Whether it's a young 15-year-old giving his testimony in Spanish for the very first time, whether it's Paul and Barnabas' history-making journey, or whether it's going on one of our summer impact trips, since the beginning of Antioch, we have said... What if we just read the Word of God and do what it says? For years and years, we've been a people that have done our best to to be obedient to what the Lord's asked us to do. So today, this message, hopefully you haven't heard, it's not about one of, you're not doing enough. Not at all. We are a church that obeys Jesus. I'm so very, very proud of each and every one of you. I love getting to partner with Jesus, shoulder to shoulder with you to get to advance his kingdom for all of eternity. I just want to humbly challenge you today that no matter how long you have been following Jesus, to ask yourself afresh, how can you continue to be involved in the advancement of the kingdom of God in this one life that you have? At the end of my life, through daily surrender and obedience to his lordship, I want to be known as a man that gave his absolute everything to see Jesus magnified among all peoples. And not among you guys. In my heart, I want to know that I gave my everything to see Jesus magnified. So leaving here today, what is one new thing that you can obey from Acts 13 and 14? As a quick recap, here are a few opportunities that I was able to pull out from Acts 13 and 14 of, hey, maybe we could obey this. Maybe we could obey that. Chapter 13, verse 3, pray for those being sent. We have an amazing team that leads our prayer for the nations. Verse 4, go. We have one-week trips. We have three-month internships. We have long-term missions work. Verse 5, preach the gospel. Share the hope that you have with those around you, your neighbors or your co-workers. Verse 5, like John, you can also serve those that go. Administrative help, pastoral or financial support, serving, whatever. Verse 9, daily ask the Lord to fill you with his spirit. Verse 46, be bold in the faith. Chapter 14, ask the Lord for signs and wonders so that he would be magnified. Verse 3, Verse 22, encourage those around you. Verse 23, disciple the next generation. As a global director, if you guys ever have any questions about how that can happen in your life, please come talk to me. It is an honor to get to talk with people on their spiritual journey. Next week after church, we're going to have our quarterly nations lunch. We're providing free food and we're spotlighting some other areas where the Lord is doing some amazing things. So come join us and learn about more about Antioch Global and how you can get plugged in. Please sign up on the QR code. That helps me get your food order. 
But we're going to take a few minutes, a few moments, and we're going to wait on the Lord and to see what He invites us into obedience on. Just take about five, ten seconds and say, Lord, how can I obey one of those things from Acts 13 and 14?